It's Wednesday, October 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Bill Mann. Good to see you. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We got the latest from Twitter. We got the latest from Robinhood. We are going to start, though, with big tech getting bigger. Microsoft's first quarter profits were higher than expected. Revenue grew 22%, which is the fastest growth since 2018. Shares of Microsoft up 5% and hitting a new all-time high. 5% is a lot. 5% is fact- a lot for any company, but we, we were doing the math. That's $100 billion. $100 billion. Dollars. $100 billion. Just conjured out of, out, out of thin air. Yeah, Microsoft. It's it's crazy how good this company how good this company is operating right now. That is not just massive gains this quarter. That's seventeen straight quarters of double digit revenue growth, and it's been accelerating. It's been getting faster and faster and faster. They are growing at a rate that like the tiniest of startups would kill for, and they're and and is a. $45 billion revenue per quarter company right now and growing really, really quickly. Beat every estimate. Azure is going great. LinkedIn is going great. This company is just firing. Yeah, I know we talked about this um, on the show recently. There was the news about uh, LinkedIn being shut down in China, or or I should say Microsoft saying, we're shutting down our LinkedIn operations um, we don't need to rehash all of the reasons why, but but to me, the the headline was less that they were doing that and more that uh, Satya Nadella came out and said, yeah, LinkedIn is contributing more than ten billion dollars in revenue every year, which I think was I know it was a surprise to me. I think it yeah. was a surprise to others as well. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and when when Microsoft bought LinkedIn, it was one of those transactions where I think most of us said, I'm not sure that I really see how this fits into their suite. But once again, I don't think we were right about about being skeptical about it. The, the results would suggest that they knew that what they were talking about when they brought LinkedIn into the fold. Agree 100%. I think the most generous of expectations at the time was, well, you've got all the money in the world, and you can buy that thing if you want to. And, <laughs> That's and, right. And Go if ahead. it works out, it will take years. It, you know, I, uh, my memory of the time is like, well, that yeah, I suppose that can work out. It's going to take years. Um, I don't think anyone expected it to be contributing in this way. Uh, on a relatively soon basis. In fact, Chris, there was a theory that was batted about, perhaps by me, but by others as well, that uh, th- that LinkedIn was being that was being acquired, that Microsoft was taking it out so that they didn't have to compete with it in some way. You know, one of those things that you hear, well, we're the deep pockets. This is something that is perhaps a threat to us. Let's just buy it. But that's not what's happened. That's absolutely not what's happened. And the incredible thing is that this, this entire time, Microsoft is paying paying a substantial dividend, buying back tons of shares. It's it, it's almost like they can't create, they can't get rid of the capital that they're creating fast enough. This is an amazing, amazing business. 
That was going to be my last question before we move on is where do you think they go from here in terms of acquisitions? Because, you know, we, we and others were raising our eyebrows at the prospect of, uh, what did they pay for LinkedIn? $26 billion, Something mm -hmm. like that? I mean, uh, do you think there are large acquisitions in Microsoft's future, or do you think that their capital allocation strategy looks more like what we've seen over the last couple of years? They absolutely have a have had a capital allocation strategy of build and buy, and I think that we will see that see that continuing, particularly in the areas of of of, of artificial intelligence, uh, and as bolt ons as they really try and get into the metaverse, you know, through the Xbox platform and and other places. I think I think by and large. Microsoft is more comfortable building, but they'll buy in a heartbeat if if there are if there are targets out there. The thing is, and you know, maybe gone on uh, you know unmentioned in your question is that as a two point three trillion dollar company, it has to be a big company for them to buy to really move the needle. If you are one of those investors who feels bad about missing out on Robinhood's IPO in July, good news. Shares I got some of Robinhood good news. Robinhood 11% and basically trading where they were on day one. Third quarter revenue came in much lower than expected because crypto trading volume was much mm -hmm. lower than expected. Down 78%. The revenues were down 78% quarter to quarter, which is a Staggering loss, and these are highly profitable uh, revenues for Robinhood. So, I, Robinhood to me is a company that is that 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 is a bit of a mess. It is possible that it will work out, and we have described it in the past as being a mutant company because it really did change. It changed the game for brokers everywhere. You know, a lot of these brokers were not going to move to free trading until until Robinhood came along and forced the issue. So, uh, it's absolutely a credible company, but they have massive regulatory risks facing them. They have massive, I don't even know how you would describe it. In, in, in fashion, you know, in clothing, they call it fashion risk. I almost say you would say they have meme risk. They have, they have meme risk at, uh, at, 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 at Robinhood. I mean, any type of risk-off scenario and Robinhood uh, shares, I think, are in big, big trouble. One of the things the company said was, um, barring any change in the market environment, the headwinds that they're seeing right now are going to continue the rest of the year. Is the, I'm not trying to you know, pick on them on a day when their stock is dropping more than 10%. No, but, but go ahead. But, go ahead. But, uh, here's the question, though. Is it the market environment? Or is it just Robin Hood's environment? I mean, the market environment uh, on a on a macro level seems really strong. Well, but uh, but but keep in mind where Robin Hood was making most of its money. They were making making money in crypto trading, and they were making money in options trading, and those parts of the market are not behaving in the same way. And I don't necessarily mean obviously. You know, Bitcoin was near an all-time high. We're in a, we've we've had a good crypto environment, but the trading volumes have not been there in the same way. There has not been, there was not the same level of a meme coin, like Dogecoin, in this quarter, and it can't be overstated how much uh, 
Robinhood's revenues were depending on that in the last quarter. And that, I mean, I guess you could call that market environment. The other thing that's facing Robinhood right now is that it just came public and a bunch of shares are getting ready to unlock, which means that the insiders are going to be be able to sell. I, up to 100 million shares are about to come onto the market. So I don't think, yes, I don't think it's fair just to pick on Robinhood, but I don't think that this is a really great time for, you know, to be brave with Robinhood shares. Twitter says that Apple's recent privacy changes to their operating system had less of an impact than Twitter was expecting. And that's good to hear because shares of Twitter are down 9% today after their third quarter report. So I would hate to see how much more damage would be happening to this stock if Apple really had impacted them. I mean, at least partially that has to do with the fact that that, that, that Twitter's, tw- Twitter's ad AI is terrible. Right? <laughs> How are they, they're really not being is. impacted in the same way uh, by virtue of the fact that they, they, they haven't they haven't figured out how to monetize it in the same way. It's like you know, it, it you know, it, it's like some of these people who lose a you know a huge amount of money. You're like, well, you know, at least they had a huge amount of money to lose. Twitter was not really succeeding in this realm to start with, so it's a it's a little bit disingenuous for them to say, well, we're not being impacted by it. It's really hard to believe that Jack Dorsey is running Twitter. And running square when you look at the performance in those two stocks. It's just, it's, it is bizarre to look at the, like, to look at one stock that is up basically 10 times what the other one is in a five year period. And if you were to ask, the same person is running both. The funny thing, Chris, is if you were to ask the average person, what company does Jack Dorsey run? They're saying Twitter. Yes. Twitter is the one that has like that has people's attention. The problem with me with Twitter right now is is they had 165 million dollars in stock-based compensation this last quarter. Negative operating cash flow. I mean negative um free cash flow. So essentially this is Twitter is being run as an, an employee stock option plan. Like it's really not this is this is not a company that's firing on all syllables uh, not even on all syllables, all cylinders. Um it's not firing on anything. The funny thing about Jack Dorsey being in charge, this is what I would want to see from Twitter if Jack Dorsey is is being true to his word. I don't know if you saw last week or if you all have talked about it, but he came out and said hyperinflation is here. Hyperinflation yes. is here. It's a, it was a it was a tweet that he put out, and everyone paid attention to it. If hyperinflation was here, here is what I would want to see from Twitter. I would want Twitter to come out and say, "We are raising as much debt as we possibly can," as because if hyperinflation is here and rates are still low, would you not want to pay back that debt years down the road in deeply devalued dollars? So the actions do not match the words. And so uh, Twitter, I want to love Twitter. And as a platform, it's the most useful one that I have, you know, with the exception of market foolery. But beyond that, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter is the best. They just have not, they haven't figured out how to be a company rather than a utility yet. It's amazing to me. Well, and I'm glad you made the point about if you asked 
you know, you take 100 people and you say, what company does Jack Dorsey run? The majority are going to say Twitter. Yeah. Because he doesn't get hauled in front of Congress to answer questions about Square. No. You know, which which makes me what, like, it's one of those things. Do you think he has any friends who just <laughs> who just say to him, hey, do you want to just give up the Twitter corner office and just focus on Square? Because it seems like the hassle factor for running Twitter is a hell of a lot higher than the hassle factor of running Square. Right, and Square's a much more complex business, and it's worth 15 times as much. Why would you split your time 50-50 between the two of them? Get get somebody. and Take on uh, some debt. Make your, Put your money where your mouth is. No, it's a great it's a great point because that did it got a lot of attention in the financial media. Um, plenty of people, including but not limited to Kathy Wood, <laughs> sort of took to Twitter to say, "Let me take the other side of what you're That's saying." <laughs> so um, it's you know it, it was entertaining to see. Um, but to your point, like yeah, if you actually believe that, there are actions you can take as a business leader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we wrap up. What are we, 72 hours from Halloween? No, I'm not doing the math right. 96 hours? Something Somewhere like less that. than it 100 is... hours from Halloween. Yes. What is, uh, overrated, underrated Halloween candy? I think the most underrated Halloween candy. Okay, first of all, people. People, be heroes. Don't don't give out that orange and brown wrapped candy, right? Give, give kids the good stuff. But the good stuff that I think is most underrated has got to be Butterfingers. We don't talk about Butterfingers enough. Butterfingers were the the candy that my mom would steal from us. <laughs> like, I almost don't know what they taste like because I would show up in the morning. Like, you never, as a kid, you never feel richer than that moment when you un you know, when you open up the bag and pour all the candy on the floor. Like that is your moment, and it's all downhill from there. Um, real quick, before we get to your overrated candy, I was thinking about this the other day in the same way that you know. Our, our CEO Tom Gardner will will frequently make the point about the stock market. You know, it's don't think of it as a stock market. Think of it as a market of stocks. You know, mm-hmm. like if you were going to an old time market, and you're you're trading, and it is for a lot of children unwittingly it is their first exposure to the concept of value with commodities. Because <laughs> if right. you if you are a fan of a candy that is not beloved by the majority of children the day after halloween is your day to shine because like, you could, if you're if you're someone like me who actually likes whoppers and oh I get, yeah and i get that whoppers are not the most popular candy no they're a crime against humanity come on they're not but but, but i can you know i you can, can corner that market yeah and just be like okay i've got i've got this one who likes Snickers? You know, yeah. like that's a that's a you know yeah. that's that's the Johnson and Johnson dependable value you know blue chipper of the <laughs> candy world. It's like I'll give you one Snickers. I'm gonna need five Whoppers in exchange for that, and people will be like, absolutely, I'll, I'll give you ten. Oh yeah, I'll throw in these good and plenties. <laughs> I didn't say I wanted those. Oof. Somebody does, just not me. Don't give those away either. Somebody does. Um, overrated. You're going to laugh, but I, I actually think it's Almond Joy because there's no, there's no joy in Almond Joy. It's all, Almond Tolerate, Almond Taking Up Room in My Bag. It's just, it's so poorly named. Almond and, Joyless. 
And, you know, if you think about candies and sort of like where they're rating, and some of the listeners have written in to make this point, and it's a, it's a good point, which is like, hey, not everything is rated the same. Like, you know, like good and plenty. Like, it's, it, it's hard to make the case that good and plenty is an overrated candy, because if, like, if it was a stock, it would not be trading at some sky-high valuation. That's right. No, uh, but a pe- sometimes penny stocks don't work out, Jim. <laughs> Chris. Um, but to your point, Almond Joy has gotten a little bit of a, a bump in value valuation because Mm-mm. because of almonds Mm-mm. because no. like you know whereas like, i think when we were kids nobody was really making a, a, a big pitch for almond joy but i feel like it's gotten more no. attention than maybe it should almond sadness that's what they are hey by the way do you know that uh necco wafers are back are they really this came They're up back. in conversation in my house yes. last night did spangler has bought has, has has bought it was the new england confectionery company closed in 2018 they're back including probably those weird chocolate-flavored ones. So I'm, I'm going to have to do a little uh, deep dive into this uh, yeah. story to find out the why, because that's like that was one of those things when, for anyone who's ever had a Necco wafer, that's one of those <laughs> things where you, where you just go, oh, yeah, that makes sense that they're no longer in business in 2018. <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. I don't want to see anyone go out of business, but I, 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 I get it. We're not missing them. That's that's my point. It's like no, we're not wishing them bankruptcy. We're not wishing that you know people lose their jobs, but we're not missing the product. It's not like when it's not like when Twinkies, you know, when when Twinkie went bankrupt and then or Hostess went bankrupt and then it was like collectively the business media was like someone's going to step up and save them, right? Because right. because just for a you know, this is an American icon. We're not saying it's good for you, but Come on, someone's got to step up here. (laughs) For better or for worse, Necco wafers are American icon too, and they're back. Don't give them out. Don't give them out. Bill, man, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Take care, Chris. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.